Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson, so happy to be with you again today, and thank you for all of you who are tuning in around the world to listen to these In Christ messages from Warren Litzman, Loving the Christ Life. We are into the foundation set of the Christ Life Living Oh boy, what a wonderful journey this is, and we're going to get right back into it. For more, here's Warren. But now that you're a believer and Christ has been revealed as life, the next step is to see him as your only life. Now this is hard on us. When you see Christ as your only life, you're no longer Scotsman, Mexican, German, Italian. He's your only life. He's eternal life. So any earthly aspect or temporal aspect is lost. That's why three times Paul says, in Christ no Jew, Gentile, Greek, barbarian, Scythian, bond, free, male, female. You give up those rights to containers. Now, we've sort of mentioned this before, but I see you got awful quiet all of a sudden. Because some of you are probably going to the next Greek (laughs) get-together. Or the next Mexican shindig. That's okay. Have fun. But you're no longer a part of that. You're no longer a part of that. That no longer exists. Some of you stay torn up over your relatives. You may see Christ as your life, but you haven't gotten to the point that you see him as your only life because they're not really your bona fide relatives anymore. They're there. You're to serve them, minister to them. You have a link to them by containers, but I told you containers don't count anymore. They're created. Remember, I always say this. Everything created is going to be destroyed. Nothing created continues, not even bodies made out of dirt. Nothing created continues. So when you start seeing Christ as your life, you've got to take it on to the furthest dimension. That means when you go to a family reunion now, you're the oddball. They probably all, they thought you was an oddball when you got saved. They probably thought you was an oddball when you talked in tongues, but you're really oddball now. Because you're no longer a part of that family Technically, technically, you're a spirit being now. You've moved from flesh to spirit. Oh, you still do a few works of the flesh, but you're no longer flesh. You are no longer in the flesh. You're in the spirit, Paul says. So you've made that move. You see Christ as your life. But now you have to tie up these tangle ends. He's your only life. He's your only life. So your relatives, your earthly relationships begin to take on a change. And I'll tell you what happened to me in that regard. I love my earthly relatives now more than I did before. Because I used to be upset with them before because here we were bone of bone and flesh of flesh and they didn't want to listen to what I had to say or believe what I was doing. They were all institutionalized. Uh, not in institutions, but in <laughs> They thought I should have been, but... Uh, 
of a sudden I could love them now because I had broken that tie that they have to do something because we're alike. We're not alike anymore. I've been born again. We're not the same. And many of them are born again, but they've never seen Christ as their life. So we had no common ground anymore. And what did I do for them? I loved them just like I do. Anybody that walks in that door there, I'll go up and hug their neck if I sense they're born again. If they're not born again, I'll hug their neck to get them born again. <laughs> Why? Because I'm no longer interested in what you do to me, what you say to me, how you treat me, what you are to me. I'm only interested now in Christ in you or getting in you. Well, that took a big load off of me. Some of my relatives thought I really got saved because I used to be so cantankerous before that they had to agree with me on what we were doing. Now then, it don't matter. See, I can love them because that bond's broken. They're not my bona fide relatives at all. I have a whole new bloodline. I'm in a whole new race of people. And many of them have been born again too, but they're not on our level of understanding. So there's no way we can ever communicate until God brings us together. Well, let's go on a little further. The objective is seeing him as the only life. I discovered uh, three or four years ago that when I was writing, I'd use the term Christ as our life, and the Holy Spirit began to check me, put down only life, only life. And so I started doing that, and then I looked back and it was really redundant. But the Holy Spirit said, go ahead and say it. Because that's the next step. They see Christ as life, but now then, they're going to have to see him as the only life. Because they're mixed up. They think they have Baptist life, charismatic life, human life, male life, female life, and Christ's life. No, get them down. There's one life, and it's Christ. It's Paul saying, the life I live is Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you don't do other things that had to do with your other life, but he said, the life I really live is Christ. So when you move into that dimension, you're now pulling together all of the things that make a difference. We were raised religiously that we were different on Sundays than we were the other six days of the week. Because this is the Lord, Lord's Day. I was raised, I had a Methodist dad that wouldn't even let a newspaper in a house on Sunday. So I had to sneak the funny papers out to the barn. I wasn't a good Methodist. But that's where you believed. You had one day set aside and that was it. Now when you begin to see Christ as your only life, you no longer have days. That, that bit of information in Colossians where he says a bunch of stuff was nailed on the cross. You remember that stuff? A bunch of stuff. Your past, your doctrines, your, all of the ordinances ordinances. You know, I talk about this. Uh, some of you need to read that book, New Creation Race, and you get a lot of help out of it. I think very few of you are reading that book, and you need to take it and read it. Uh, because they started out with Ten Commandments, show you what religion does. They started out with Ten Commandments, and when they finally got through up at the cross, uh, 1,700 years later, the Jews had concocted 640 contingencies to Ten Commandments. Well, there wasn't any way anybody could live that. But the longer they went, the more law they threw down. 
And we're so glad now that we're saved by grace, not by the law, and kept saved by grace and not by the law. But the longer you serve God, the more tendency you have to depend upon yourself because now you know something or you stay open to revelation. It is our hope in this move of the Spirit that people will stay open to the work of the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ. You stay open to it because it's unending. When I first started in this walk, I, I thought I had it all tied up in a neat package. That package has been untied a hundred times because there's more and more, more and more. There's no end. There's no end. We haven't tapped even the surface of truth that's in this book. We don't have to change the book. We don't have to add to it or take anything away from it. We just don't even understand what's in it. I think we're blind today in some areas as Martin Luther and the Romans were in his day, the Romanists were in his day. They didn't even understand that we're justified by what Jesus does instead of what the church does. And there it was in the Bible. It had been in the Bible at that time about 1,500 years, and there wasn't anybody that saw it until Luther had the great revelation, the just shall live by faith. Well, this book is opening up like that to you and I because the real teacher is the Holy Spirit. We don't need a Martin Luther today. You don't need a Grub or a Litzman. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to take these scriptures and search them because there's more there than you've ever dreamt. And they'll open up to you as the Holy Spirit begins to teach you and you'll get up here and say things. I heard a couple of things today that, that blessed me, that astounded me because I hadn't seen it like that before when some of you were talking. That was good. And I caught something that they saw that, that I didn't see. I've always learned from people who share. Because the Holy Spirit is unending. Now, when the loose ends begin to be tied together in your life, and you see that there's only one life, and you begin to see that it's Christ who is the wife to my husband. It's Christ who is the husband to my wife. It's Christ who is the mother, the daddy. It's Christ who is the mechanic, the secretary, the office worker, the driver, the engineer. It's Christ. Once you begin to see that you only have one life and quit separating it, you'll be better off. You'll be better off. Paul, it's Christ that goes plays golf because you only got one life. It's Christ that plays tennis and goes swimming. I like to go to ball games. Don't guess I like it much. I haven't been to one in several years. But it's Christ who goes to ball games. I like to see a good show if there is such a thing. It's Christ who sees that movie. I have no separated life. I have a tendency to separate by my ignorance, but there is no separation in life. Well, then you say, boy, if all these people are Jesus walking Christ, that's what Norman said. That's the way he got his revelation. He's in Africa and he didn't like Africans. He said he looked out the window one day and the Holy Spirit said to him, there goes Christ walking in all those black bodies. Once you get the revelation that Christ is in you, then you move on to seeing that he is the only you.
But your problem there is your mind is full of ignorance because you think Jesus of Nazareth. My Christ is in me. I've got to be like Jesus of Nazareth. Forget him. Forget Jesus of Nazareth. You know, a very interesting thing. I don't uh, mess around like this much, but uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote what we call synoptic gospels, which means they are historical records of Jesus of Nazareth. But Brother John lived longer than all of them. He lived, uh, I think, at least 30 years longer than any of the others, at least 30 years longer than Peter and Paul. And over that period of time that he lived, he finally came to a conclusion of what everything was about. His gospel was written after everything else. The gospel of John was written after everything else was completed in the New Testament except the book of Revelation. Which means that when he wrote, he wrote very little about the historical Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't write about his incarnation and birth, though he mentions it. He didn't write any of the records of most of his healings signs, wonders, and miracles. What did he write about? He saw the true gospel. He begins it by saying, in the beginning was the word. So instead of giving us a historical record where little children begin to learn about things, he started on a father level. He said, hey, if you're going to know God, let's go back to the beginning. The father level is knowing from the beginning. And so he said, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And he had a whole different approach, you see, than what we call the synoptic gospels. And as I've told you many times, a lot of people who see Christ feel John's gospel should have been an epistle rather than located in the four gospels. Well, that's because he wasn't, his great interest wasn't Jesus of Nazareth. His great interest was the light, was the word, was the vine, was the water. That's what he wrote about. The lessons that show us the source. He wrote about the source. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. There wasn't one of those fellows that was around there making notes on what Jesus was doing who got that at all. Not one of them got that at all. Not one of them had time for the woman at the well. Because that was deep. That's where Jesus said the day is going to come when you don't have to go to Jerusalem or a building to worship. I get amused at people today. Nine, ten, time, nine times out of ten, somebody says they're going to go to church, they mean building. Right. We're going to go to this building down here. They don't mean church at all. Because if you look over at that woman with all those kids he's produced that loves him, he'd see he was in church. Instead of fussing, he'd go to church there. Because you worship God where you are as you are. Two or three constitutes the body. So there he laid this tremendous truth out. Or was it? John 4. And then there wasn't another soul in the whole Bible that wrote what he had to say from Jesus concerning the devil. Now they all wrote about the devil, but they all wrote about the outer works of the devil, how you need to, how you need to get rid of the devil, overcome the devil, rebuke the devil, cast out devils. John said, let's not mess around like that. 
He said, I remember one day Jesus looked at those Jews and said, the trouble with you Jews is you're all offsprings of the devil. Now he said, if we can get rid of your papa, <laughs> you'll understand this because he said Satan was your father from the beginning. Then he carried through that over in his first epistle when he said the sinner, the real sinner, and it should have read like this, the only sinner from the beginning was Satan, Satan in us. Well, us that sinned, it was Satan that sinned. That's a whole new understanding there, so we'll get to that later. But you see, he saw Jesus. He saw Christ. Now that's the objective in your life, is to tie all these loose ends together and see Jesus as the only life. Get that little idea in your mind. He's my only life. It won't take hold right away. Because you've got a life that belongs to your husband, a life that belongs to your children, a life that belongs on your job, a life that belongs when you mow the lawn. You've got all kinds of lives out there, and you need to kill them all and say, it's Jesus mowing the lawn, it's Jesus taking care of my husband. You need to get it down to one life with Paul, the life I now live is Christ. Charlie, when you're wrestling with the bulls, you need to say the only one that wrestles with bulls is Christ. Five minutes. Now I'm going to give you the point of this message. Faith. What is faith? Faith is understanding that you put to work. God's knowledge that works through you. That's faith. When you live on the plane of the understanding you have, everything God wants you to be, do, and have will work. Let me say that again. When you live on the level of your understanding, what you know to be right, everything that God has for you will work. Now that means I can't stand up here and give you seven good points on how to have faith because every one of you are different. And every one of you are at a different level. I used to do that. I used to say, now if all of you believe like this, if you'll take these things, you'll make them work. I had folks trying to fit square bolts into round holes. They desperately tried to do that. And they'd come to me after a meeting and say, well, I tell you, I'm still sick and I thought I could fit that all together and I wouldn't be sick anymore. That isn't their level of understanding. God deals with you on your level of understanding. Remember the most cardinal truth in the scripture on sin? He that knoweth to do right and he does it not to him, H-I-M, that's sin. Didn't say it was sin to God. Didn't say it was sin to me. Said to him it was sin. So that's his level of understanding. We haven't been given liberty in this message to do as we please, but we do have the liberty to live according to what we know. Which I put very bluntly. I couldn't say it when I was 
a holiness preacher because everybody would do it as a license in, but I can say it to you because your love affair with Jesus keeps you in control. But you understand there are some here that can do things you think are sin and get by with them with God. There are people who fail in some areas that you could never fail in. The difference is that both of you are acceptable to God because he deals with you on your level of understanding. <laughs> you understand that? If God didn't deal with us on our level of understanding, he's unjust. I can read one verse of scripture to you. If I read a verse of scripture, my own kind of verse that says, do right and you won't go to hell. If I said that verse of scripture, you said, every one of you got to believe that verse. You could only believe it on your level of understanding. What you know to be right. What you understand to be right. As you grow in the Lord, your level of understanding rises. It rises higher and higher and higher. And the higher your level of understanding goes, the greater your love affair is. Until many of you do things I, I would never do. Not that I couldn't do them, but I would never do it because my level of understanding has deepened my love. I don't want to do it. But I don't rebuke you because I know you're operating on your level of understanding. <laughs> you see that? Don't you wish you'd treated all your kids like that? They'd been a lot better off. That means you have to communicate with them. You're going to treat your kids like that. You have to communicate with them. You have to sit down and find out what their level of understanding is. You tell them not to do a thing ten times. My advice to you is to sit down and find out what their level of understanding is. You're assuming they're as smart as you are or they have the smart gene that's in your family. They may be stupid, and you're going to have to recognize that. See? You're going to have to find their level of understanding. When you find their level of understanding, you can begin to bring something to them. You may be talking to them in hieroglyphics. They may need uh, uh, building blocks. See? You find their level of understanding by communication. You tell a kid not to touch a hot stove, he may have no level of understanding to that. Keep on messing around it until you see he's going to get severely burned. Uh, you may have to lift up his level of understanding. Take his finger over and put it on the stove. They'll put you in jail in Dallas if you do that. <laughs> but what do you got to do? You got to lift their level of understanding. Sometimes the shortest distance between their brain and what you want them to do is the distance between their seat and their brain. <laughs> but we live in a day when we don't have much interest in lifting that level of understanding. See? That's the way it is with believers. God spanks us. There's probably some of you here that's been spanked by the Lord right now. I'm glad he's not under the civil government or he'd get put in jail. <laughs> I, I like to tell this everywhere I go, but we were so pleased to see on the front page of one of the uh, tabloids at the grocery store that uh, that uh, young queen-to-be in England was out with her two kids and she was, they had a picture of her spanking one of them. I'm so glad to see that because that must have dented all the liberals across the world. Good God spanks us. Somebody here's probably been spanked today. You're not putting it together. You can't, uh, you can't work it out. And so the Lord's spanking you. What does he do by spanking? He hopes to lift your level of understanding. If you know to do something and you don't do it, to you, that's the sin.
Now, Father, for this whole body that's gathered here, I ask a miracle. Would you grant us a miracle wherever we stand before you, in whatever shape and condition our expression is, we ask that you, by the Christ that is in us, grant to our containers, ourselves, a renewal of these vivid truths. May Christ be revealed in us this day as never before. Grant this, I pray, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, reveal this Son in every hungry heart in this place and cause everyone to abound as they leave this place with the knowledge Christ liveth in me and that he is working for a far greater weight of glory than I have ever understood before. Grant this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stop right here, but we will pick up next time with more of Warren Litzman and the foundation set of loving and living the Christ life. What a great experience this is and what a blessing it is to have these great wonderful teachings archived through the Christ Life Fellowship. Don't forget to visit our website, christ-life.org. Read all about us. Find out about how you can even start a church in the home using our materials absolutely free, christ-life.org. Our thanks to Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week. Also, we'd like to thank Valerie Hill for running our Twitter account, Tammy Laycock does our weekly podcast notes, and this program is produced weekly by the wonderful Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.